My story starts a bit like a weather chart, full of highs and lows. Mad, misfit, mercenary or missionary. She said to me, you are lucky. Our friends held us up as the perfect odd couple. I knew this guy was the devil. I had goosebumps running all down my body. And that was the point. That was the moment. Hello, and thanks for listening to another podcast episode from Spun, a live storytelling night in Darwin. Jose da Costa was born during the violent occupation of East Timor, and he spent his first years in the jungle where he and his family hid from the Indonesian army. Home for Jose was a village in Bacau, but it was also a place of deep tragedy. And it wasn't until he found himself the target of the military that Jose was forced to take the biggest risk of his life in order to tell the world just what was happening in his homeland. In 1995, I took the first biggest adventure in my life. I was with 17 other young men and women, including a six-month-old baby. We were on the beach and ready to board on a small boat. We were blessed by a Timorese priest. During his blessing, he said to us, my children, if I don't hear any news about you after seven days, I will take a flowers to throw to the sea and to remember you as the hero of your countries. I was born in 1976. Since I was a baby, I didn't have a permanent home because my parents moved around the bush from place to place to avoid being captured by the Indonesian army. After three years of running, my family finally got captured and the army brought us back to our home district and displaced us in our own country. And they didn't allow us to live back in our village. In the middle of 1983, the army finally let us back to grow food in our village, only to to grow food, but not to allow to live there. But we also have to have a, a travel permit to go to our village. I was very close to my father, and everywhere he went, I always go with him. And one day, we went to our farm, and we got into trouble with the Indonesian army. And um, they, they forced him to run to do push-ups, and they kicked him, and they sent him back to, to the army chief uh, to renew his travel permit. But instead, they punished him, and they forced him to guard the army post every night. The following year, in 1984, the army actually killed my dear father, and they hang his body in the tree just to punish the village, the villages 
that if you are support the independence movement, you will be killed and you will be becoming as the same as, same as this man. After my father's death, my family were devastated. I was in grade two at the school at that time and I stopped school because my family could not afford it and I became icy pole seller. I met many children just returned uh, from the jungle with the Indonesian army. Those children were actually forced by the Indonesian army you know, to carry the ammunition, cook for them, and wash their clothes. And I became good friend with one of them. And we ran away together to Dili, the capital city of East Timor. Their life in the capital city was very difficult because we didn't have anywhere to sleep. And most of the time we actually we sleep in the street. And then sometimes we sleep in the people's home that we met uh, on the street. And after two weeks, my friend went back to his village and we never see each other again. And I went on and I found a job at a Chinese um, Timuri shop. And one day, I remember, I met this young man. His name is, was Didi. And he was one of the um, youth clandestine members who were actually supporting the independence movement. And he came to the shop and asked me to give him some um, malaria tablets and wound medications so that he could actually take to the jungle to, to give to the resistance fighter in the bush who were actually still fighting the Indonesian army for independence. He was, you know, one of my mentors and he educated me in politics and how to involve in the social justice issues. And not long after that, he, he actually, he disappeared and he was killed uh, by the Indonesian army. In 1991, I met another friend Sebastian Gomez, first time I met him. During that day, I took some food to the church because a lot of young people actually hiding inside the church. And at that night, my friend Sebastian also killed by the Indonesian army. After two weeks, we took flowers to the cemetery, the Santa Cruz Cemetery, and we also had a, a peaceful demonstrations. Thousands of us, mostly young people, and when we got to the cemetery, Santa Cruz Cemetery, the Indonesian army already waiting for us there. So they start to shoot at us and they actually killed 270 of us. I was scared. I was run for my life. I was 15 back then. We were still hunted by the army. Two weeks later, you know, I got arrested and it was the first time I was tortured in, in the prison, put in the prison. And fortunately, I was released. Life didn't get easier. So in 1995, a group of us, you know, we took a small fishing boat uh, from Dili and we sailed uh, to Australia to seek a political asylum. And it took us uh, five nights and six days. When we arrived here in Darwin, in Australia, we didn't know that uh, we're going to be detained and put in a detention center. 
So we actually, the Australian uh, immigration uh, officers sent us to Derby in Courtney Base in Western Australia. We were detained there for um, uh, six weeks. We were very lucky for only for six weeks. And um, we got released and I went to Melbourne. And um, one Timorese family, the Santos family actually, took me in as a uh, foster son. In 2004, I finally returned to East Timor as a, as a free man. And it was the first time um, I saw my mother for a very long time. Now, you know, we can say East Timor is a free and independent state. And now I also call Australia my second home and um, East Timor is a, as an independent nation. Jose shared his story at a SPUD event in 2017 at Darwin Festival, where the theme was home. In this episode, you heard both story production and sound editing by Rosa Ellen. Gaya Osborne was behind sound production with music by Lajlo Hassani. Our podcast receives funding support from Darwin International Airport. If you've spent a bit of time in the NT, you might know the traditional custodians of the Darwin region are the Larrakia people. Here at Spun, we're grateful to them as first storytellers and for welcoming us to their country. My name's Jess Ong. Thanks for listening. <laughs>